Welcome to Secret Lives of Expanders. This is where we get to meet and learn from those who have done really great things. Things that have been outside the box. The idea is to introduce you to entrepreneurs, creators, healers, and coaches who have done really wild things. And this particular episode is no different. It was so fun to sit down and hang out with Graham Betchert, who is a, um, an NBA mindset trainer turned entrepreneur who continues to work with founders and CEOs in mental training. He's also the author of a book called Play Present. I loved speaking with Graham because, well, he's fascinating. And you're going to see this in this session, in this episode. And it was really interesting to learn about all the different ways that he has worked with top athletes from a mental capacity perspective and the principles that he has used, the mental principles that he's been using with these athletes and of course with everybody else that he works with and the similarities in the spiritual world. Him and I had a ton in common. One of the cool things that I learned from him that's a sports uh, mental terminology was this concept of playback speed which ultimately determines your success in a game and obviously life because that's what it is. So the concept is uh, something like this. No matter how much you mess up in a game, you must always go back to your original state, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And if you're an Elevate Club, you'll hear me talk about this X and Y frequency, but basically X frequency is being in the energy of where you're at right now and Y being in the frequency of your your next level. So I use the same analogy, well, I didn't know what it was called in the sports world, but it basically doesn't matter how often you go into stress and overwhelmed and I'm not enough and not enough time and survival and scarcity. It really doesn't matter how often you get off track in terms of your energy, your frequency, and your state. What matters the most is that you get right back into that Y frequency, into that next level dream frequency, finding it as soon as possible and going right back there. I really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Make sure to connect with me on Instagram or on other social media platforms. And if you're not a member of Elevate Club yet, make sure to check it out. You can go to elevate.me, which is www.elivate.me. And I hope to see you inside of our community. Hello and welcome to another episode of Secret Lives of Expanders. And I'm so excited because I have Graham Betchart here with me today. And he is he's a mental performance coach and he's been doing that for 20 years. As a matter of fact, he um, has done that for the NBA and now he works with athletes and founders and CEOs and entrepreneurs and all kinds of people. He's also the published author of the book called Play Present. He is married with two kids and overall I've gotten to know him. A really genuine and amazing, fascinating, I think that's the word I've been describing you, 
um, fascinating uh, individual. So I'm so excited to learn more about you today, Graham. And Nona, thank you for having me. I just feel connected to you already. The first time we spoke, I felt connected to you. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. So um, I am curious about your journey. Like, how does one become a um, mental mindset coach? And specifically you, like, was there something in your childhood? You could go as far back as you like. um, Or, you know, whatever your journey has been. Well, I, I think I've been, when I look back in my life, I've been curious about mindset and performing under pressure since I was a little kid. The earliest I can remember is 11 years old when I was, I was watching Michael Jordan play basketball. And I was like, what is it about this person? Like, why is he so different under pressure? And my mind was so curious, you know, at 11 years old. Um, and then fast forward to 19 years old, my first year of college basketball, I was going through a really rough time, Nona, like really anxious, depressed. I kind of felt like my life was kind of falling apart. And I reached out to my mom and I said, I need help. And she said a magic sentence to me that I'll never forget. She said, did you know you can rewire your brain? And I was like, I don't even know what that means, but it sounded like hope. And so I was like, amazing. Like, yes, let's do it. And so she introduced me to the San Francisco Healing Center. And I got connected to their founder who started to teach me all these incredible skills like being present, how to breathe, you know, uh, mindfulness. I guess we weren't even using that word, but that's what we were working on. Um, And this was in 1997. So that was kind of like when I feel like I first started really doing the work on myself, like on a deep level. And I thought for sure this is the greatest stuff I've ever discovered in my life. So I thought, oh, for sure, everyone must be doing it. And then I looked around the world and realized it wasn't really being done. It was very secretive. There was maybe stigmas against it, you know, those type of things. So it kind of my heart was already kind of set on. I need to get this to the world, you know, and it was a few years later, uh, 2001, when a good friend of mine said, "Have, have you ever heard of sports psychology? And I knew in that moment that that's what I was going to do. And I had never heard of that before, but I thought, I had learned all this crazy healing stuff. Sports psychology sounds like how I can launder it. Like that's really how it worked to me. I was like, oh, I'll just take this stuff and do it in sports because everyone takes sports serious here in the United States. So I thought if I could take this powerful stuff, put it through sports, no one could deny it. You know, no one, no one could say it's hooey or weird or you know something yep. like that. Okay, and then so that's that's interesting. I think anyone that gets into this kind of work almost always starts in uh, some kind of struggle, like you explained when you were, yeah. yeah, when you had a down moment. And so then what happened next? So how did you get to work with the NBA, with the yeah. basketball players in Sacramento? There's a really tried and true process that was ingrained in me that was help other people, just mm-hmm. help other people be successful. So the way I made it to the NBA was I helped a lot of people get to the NBA. So it wasn't that the NBA was calling me. It was in the Bay Area where I'm from. I was going around everywhere I could meeting any kid who was playing basketball and teaching them these mental skills. And I would just kind of notice if there was a kid who was taking it seriously. And I would connect with that kid and I would say, look, I'll, I'll mentor you and we can do this together. And so I ended up working with a kid named Aaron Gordon, who's from San Jose. We met when he was 11 years old. And we just really connected. And by the time he was like 16, 
you knew he was going to the NBA. You know, you knew how good he was. So I just kept teaching and sharing. And he inspired me to write my book, Play Present, because I was like, I need to write a book so we can communicate in a language with each other and make this super simple. So mm -hmm. I made it to the NBA by helping other people get to the NBA. You know, and that's what a beautiful strategy in anything you do, right? It seems like, and I don't want to say it's like a guarantee, but I'm like, how can that be stopped? Like how, like, like if you want to make a million dollars, help someone else make a million dollars. It's impossible that that can be stopped. That's and so there's the, there's these energetic principles of like genuinely serving other people and caring for them. The most amazing things happen. So I felt kind of self-conscious knowing that because I was like, I know I'm going to make it to the NBA. Put it like that. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't even a question. It was like, yeah. oh, I'm going to go serve and help and just give, give, give. And I already know what's going to happen. I don't know when or quite how. I don't know the details, but I know what's going to happen. And I think a really big piece was I got great advice. This really stuck with me. And this gentleman told me, he said, Graham, I know you want to go to the NBA. You want to help pro athletes, but treat everyone you meet on your journey as if they're a pro athlete. Mm -hmm. So however... However you think you're going to be when you go to the NBA, do that now. And that hit me so hard because it was like, instead of like using people, I guess, or kind of like, you know, I'm going to, it's like, no, the person you meet, that's them. Yeah. And when I met 11 year old Aaron Gordon, that's how I treated him. It was just some kid at a basketball camp, but I was like, give him everything you have, like fully pour in. And it turned out that was an NBA player. You know what I mean? Like that's what he was. He was just 11. Um, That's there are so many energetic uh, principles in what you just described. Like, um, there's an and I, and I know you're familiar with this, but for for our audience who's who's listening in or watching this, uh, there's a principle where there's like an internal intention that you have, right? Like the goal or the vision that you have. Like, I want to work, you know, with yeah. pro athletes or whatever, or I want to even with material things, I want to live in this house, I want to buy this car, whatever, or, or non in a relationship, I'd like to have this relationship or health. Yeah. And then there is an external uh, intention, which is basically how is this intention that I have is going to add value to the consciousness of the world. And if you can match those two together, which sounds like exactly what you did, then magic happens. That's the best way to describe it. You know, you hit it on the head. That's how I know me and you are kindred spirits. Like there's real mechanics at play here, you know? And to me, where, where I saw the challenge was, it's not going to happen overnight, right? Yeah. It's not like, oh, I go do this thing and then where's the result? So I really fell in love with the present. And I almost forgot about the results I was looking for and just got so into the present in the process. Yeah. I fell in love with that and it became like, all these results would start to happen. And I'd be like, yeah, but I found the gold. It's just actually being here and connecting with people and serving the energy. And I started to realize that, I mean, this whole thing is energy, you know, and the greatest offering we have is our energy. Like mm -hmm. that, that's the actual thing that's real. Like, you know, if you look at my resume or something like that, that's just like symbols on a piece of paper. Me, this energy, this is real. Yeah. This, this is really real. And yeah. so I always thought, this is the wealth, this is the gold, keep enhancing your energy and let's go from there. Now, I, 20 years later, like, you know, it all looks really good. At the time, it was scary a lot of times, 
you sure. know, because this is the early 2000s. I'm doing this thing and nine out of 10 people would say, what are you doing? And yeah. then they, and they would be projecting like a judgment, you know, they'd be like, Oh, that, that seems kind of strange. And basically they're thinking, how are you going to make a living? Like, how is this going to work for you? And so I had to learn to kind of let go of that and stay in the vibration that I was doing, like stay, stay with it. Um, because those same people like four or five years later would then say, wait a second, how are you doing this, Graham? <laughs> and then by year 10, they're like, go, Graham, go, keep going. Uh-huh. Keep going. You know, so yeah. it's the speed though. You know, it, it does take some time. Yeah. And, but that's one of my strengths was sticking with it because I thought if my energy's right here, if I stick with it in the present, that's it. That's the gold. That's not somewhere in the future. That, that's literally right here. Yeah. And if I then I could like surf that wave every day, I could create my own momentum. I could become the thing, you know, become the energy. Yeah. And so that, that's how I judge my results, you know, because it takes 12 years to be an overnight success or whatever the statement is. As I was building all this, every day I would tell myself I'm really successful. Yeah. You know? You're embodying the vision that you were going after, anyways. Cause I when that's actually the thing is when you forget that that's where you're going and you're like fully present and you're yeah. exchanging energy with the client or with whatever you're dealing with, you have, because you've quote unquote forgotten that that's the work to, then you're no longer separate from it. You're yes. like, literally just, you're it. like, you're like, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm just going to be here because that's mine anyways. But when you that, chase, that's it. chase, then you're in the scarcity, right? Yeah, as soon as you start to chase it, which we're we're so instinctively taught to do that, and it's everywhere, hey, go get it, go get it. You know, like when you're in high school, all they're asking is where you're going to go to college. So you're already like, oh, it's somewhere else. And you go to college, like, what what job are you going to get? Then you get a job and they're like, when are you going to get a promotion? When are you going to retire? And I'm like, what are we doing? Running to the end here? Like, what, what is this obsession with trying to be somewhere else? And so I saw that mistakenly talked about as drive or motivation. And I was like, that's, that's not what that is at all. Right. That's like anxiety and worry and you're selling it as something else. And so I would always remind myself, you say like, be where your feet are, you know, or, or strive to arrive, take all that striving that you want, but bring it back to where we are. Yeah. Um, and you're, you was kind of like going against society a little bit, you know, but people would say, oh, yeah. Hey, what's what's your business plan? And I'd be like, I got no plan except to be present in a line. They'd be like, it didn't make them feel comfortable because they want to know how's it going to work. And I was like, if I'm aligned and present, it's already working. That's <laughs> right? This is working right now. You know what I mean? So, okay. I, I have so many questions. One is how old are your kids? Uh, our daughter Amaya is 11 and our son Ty is eight. Okay. So do you apply these principles with, your kids and if so how i live them so i you you know if you have kids out there someone you know they don't really listen like i'm just their dad like i'm not some great coach or something like that i'm just like their dad so if i try to preach to them they'll be like stop but what i do is i let them listen to all my phone calls and i try to model it right because they're always copying what i'm doing no matter what right they may want not want to listen to me all the time yeah. You could talk to my kids for five minutes, share something. They'll be like, oh, no, that's amazing. She's so bright. And I was like, nope. So I, I try to be aware to not pressure them too much, but I try to live it. Like I just try to embody the energy of being present, being present with them. Um, 
as best I can, but trying not to like push, push them into it too much, you know? I know. I mean, I, I try to just sneaky ways of like incorporating some of those, but I do agree with you. The best thing you could do is to live and model for them so that they can watch you do. Cause look at, if I look at, look back at my parents and how they were, I don't, I do remember the things they would say consistently, but more so what do we typically say? I don't want to do it like this, like my parents did, or I do want to do it like my parents did. We don't say that's what they said. So I'm going to do that. It's usually what they did or did not do. Okay. So what were some of the, what are some of the techniques that are like you've developed over the years that you used on your athletes? And then now obviously you get to work with founders and CEOs and entrepreneurs and, and uh, all kinds of people. What are some like go-to um, tools and techniques that yeah. you'd like to share? Uh, well, I think we've mentioned it. Like the most important thing is you're living this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're just reading books, passing along sentences to someone else, you're just passing along words, you know? So everything I'm doing, I'm living. And what I mean by that is, so then if I share something with someone, there's a powerfulness to it. You know, um, if someone's smoking cigarettes telling you not to smoke, that's not going to work too well. You know what I mean? You're like, no, there's fraud here. So the number one technique is is be it. Like really, really live this stuff. So I start with that, with a foundational integrity that, hey, I'm doing this just like anyone I'm going to teach. I'm practicing this stuff today. <laughs> like I'm working on it today. So I start with that, with that level of integrity. And then I, a really important one for me is you frame it like training. And so I try to frame it like an athlete, right? Where athletes know, okay, we're going to go get uncomfortable on purpose, and then we're going to feel stronger later. Okay. And it's the same principles with this type of training, right? You're going to have to feel a little vulnerable or maybe feel some uncomfortableness or like that's all part of it. That's part of the growth. So I try to introduce this, that this is training. It's an everyday practice. And we just start with that, right? So we frame it in a way that like, okay, that makes sense. You know, and then and then after that, no, no, what I'm really trying to do is help people become aware. You know, and I like to say awareness activates your ability, you know, and and the very first thing we work on is, okay, what's in your control? What's out of your control? So like just just start there. Ninety nine percent of the stuff people focus on, I found is just absurd. Yes. You know, it's they, they can't control it at all. And so we just bring it back to the stuff you can control. Mm-hmm. And so this this technique is learning how to judge how to judge success. Okay. So instead of like success is just this immediate outcome, success is your energy today, right? So the first thing we start to judge ourselves how how do you feel today? How present are you? How dialed in are you? Um, and start to start to make that something that's important, you yes. know. So I like to just start. It's not even like a technique. We just start with that. That like yeah. instead of judging like an A plus or a great or like a salary. How, how, how do you feel? How are you here? How are you showing up right now? Because you can get that right now, right? Um, and then from there, you know, we work on, we could do meditation or visualization, you know, work on positive self-talk. Uh, all those things are super important, learning how to be present. I have a technique I call palms down and palms down is the opposite of doing this in life. Oh, this happened or that. Like you're just kind of in a reactionary state. So yeah. palms down means I can choose my response no matter how I feel. Yeah. And to me, I've noticed that gets you out of that reactionary state and can start bringing it into you're actually the manifester here. You're the creator. Mm-hmm. But if we're doing this all the time and victimizing ourselves and blaming the outside, 
we completely nullify all of our powers. Yeah. You know, so well, I like to say victory goes to the vulnerable. That's a technique, just embracing it and then choose your response, palms down. And yeah. these surfboards behind me are, are an analogy because you get hit with big emotions in life, right? It happens. And when the big emotions hit you, we got to find some harmony and find a way to ride those waves so we don't just self-destruct in those moments. Yeah. Um, so stuff and like I, that. I, I like the surfing analogy too, because it's like, even when the, the quote unquote negative things hit, like you can kind of look at them. I know I'm jumping analogies here, but like a pendulum, right? Cause I don't yeah. surf. So I don't know if this applies to surfing, but in a pendulum, you go, you go negative and positive or back and forth. Right. So the negative can actually be a positive thing. It just depends on the perception of it. And I would assume there's some kind of a way to explain that with surfing. But uh, I love that. I love those concepts. I'm, I'm curious um, because what I find at the beginning of when I introduced you, Graham, I said, you know, I find you really fascinating for many reasons. One of the okay. things I love about you as I was studying and as we talked and all the things is I think you have done a lot of things that are outside the box. Okay. So, for example... I think when you started working, I could be wrong, but I think when you started working with uh, these uh, basketball players in, in yeah. the NBA, uh, none of the stuff that you were teaching or incorporating with your athletes actually were like, I don't even want to say they were not mainstream. They were probably looked yeah. down upon because I feel yeah. like visualizing yeah. and meditating. I mean, that meditation has only been uh, popular. Yeah you know in, the, in all kinds of wrong ways but you were using and utilizing those tools with these athletes it's not like you were yeah. doing it in a small little hut in costa rica yeah. right like yeah. doing it with something that's so mainstream and you're kind of uh integrating the two so i find that super uh outside the box and i'm curious if you had any challenges there yeah. and i also find which we can come back to and, and touch on later or in the same conversation. But now you're incorporating music and these affirmations, all these yeah. really cool things that you're making that again, general consciousness would be like, that's kind of weird or that's yeah. <laughs> you know, probably the same response you got initially. But tell me about the challenges yeah. when you first started uh, bringing or wanting to bring these concepts into something so mainstream. Oh, man, thank you for that question. Um, you know, the challenge was it just seemed like nobody was aware, you know. Um, and so to me, what we're aware of, like these tools and skills, Nona, it's like learning that water is really good for you. You know, like once you figure out that water is good, someone could walk by and say water is terrible. And that's not going to phase you at all. Right. Because you're like, oh, the, basically, this person doesn't have any idea. And so I became aware of that in the late 90s that I had water. You know what I mean? Like the, the central ingredient to life. And so if someone was like, oh, this is lame or Graham, you're soft. I mean, they called me the funniest words that I can't use on this podcast, but really judgmental type stuff. And I would have compassion for people. And in my mind, I was like, man, I'm going to take this to a competitive space and you're in big, big trouble. And so I have a supreme confidence in this that is like unshakable because once you know what this stuff is, I actually looked around and looked at sports and was like, you mean nobody's doing this? I'm about to whoop everyone's ass. And I, I remember, and I mean that genuinely, 
You know, I was like, oh, because you know what that when you whoop someone's ass like this in a sporting context, they're going to listen at me. That's right. Because they're going to be like, how'd you do that? And then I'm going to tell you how we did it. And I'm going to write it in a book and I'm going to share the world with what we're doing. And so it was kind of like this deep plan that came through me, which was, Graham, take all these skills that you know are it. Like, not not 99% I knew it was it, 100% I knew. Where mm-hmm. I was, anytime I tried to pretend not to know, I would be in trouble. Like, so I, I had to honor the intelligence that I was with. And I thought, if I can, I'm from San Francisco, why don't I just go volunteer at a high school in San Francisco and go teach this stuff for four years? How can that be stopped? You know, and so I just, I didn't really feel any obstacles, even though there, like, there was no jobs, I wasn't making any money, there was no salary, but I knew what I had. Yeah. And I actually felt excited kind of being one of the early ones, you know, because I, so the pressure I felt was being at a, like being first in the shoot. That's what a friend said. Like when you're early in it, there's pressure because I'm early in it, meaning I could probably do big things with this, you yeah. know? And so I've always felt an immense pressure with that, with how much I'm aware of, what I'm conscious of, why they teach this to me in the 90s, like why me? I look around at all my peers, no one's doing this, no one's talking about it. So I kind of just had to own my journey and kind of go with it. And the challenge I always had was with pacing because this was going to take a while. You know, it was going to take a while. And I had to what I call walk to win with lethal patience. I had to make sure I didn't run so fast that I just took off. You know, and I didn't want to use this to compete against people or to kind of like belittle people. I wanted to help people. So giving it to kids, it's not like kids were paying me money. You know what I mean? This this was this was all a life of service. And so the challenge is pacing. Right. The challenge was, can I have the patience to actually let this come to fruition? Um, And that that was the challenge. And that's what I tried. And that was it's hard to me this day the pacing. I yeah. want to go, boom, I want to, boom. Yeah. I mean, no, no, I want to fly. I want to fly so fast and have everyone around me with this level of consciousness and we're flying. Um, I can't do that, right? Yeah. So that's everything to me is about if I can slow down, yeah. then we can do this. Okay. And that's and so the language walk to win came to me. I'd be like, oh, walk to win. No one ever taught me walk to win. Everyone's saying, hurry up, go do it. And I was like, actually, it's the opposite. <laughs> like, if if I go slower, I'll arrive faster. So my the whole thing was how slow can I go, which was aggravating to my ego, mm-hmm. aggravating to all the things that made me feel comfortable. Because yeah. none of that was making me feel comfortable. But yet I knew this was the thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, that, that was the challenge. <laughs> that's a that's a big one, and that's a big one for I think majority of uh, our audience here is uh, entrepreneurs. Yeah. So what do we do? We are taught to hustle. We're taught to like, like you said, go get them and, and motivation and like, you know, whatever, like Tony Robbins style. Not, not, nothing against Tony Robbins. I love him. No, I got you. But that, this, this doesn't work like that, you know, and like all the founders I work with, everything is about pacing because every founder has a vision. They have a drive that's crazy, right? So when you have a vision and a drive and you already see where you want to go, they ha- those people have the most challenge What's because they, they, they don't want to be present. They want to get to the result. They want to get somewhere else. Are you, you know, talking like, to me, Graham? No, no, I'm, ta- <laughs> ta- I'm talking to my, my own self. You, I mean, oh, yeah. I've, worked with, no. 
I feel I resonate. It resonates with me because yeah, that's it. That's you're, you're totally right. Because I think as visionaries, as creators, as healers, we already see the end result. So it's yeah. hard. And one of the things that's helped me is this understanding of patience versus embodiment. So like, if you are waiting for something to happen, also, if you're waiting for this vision to come to fruition or become reality, then you're also separate from it. Wow. Because wow. there's separation True. between where you are and also you're like, I want this, I want this now, I want this now. What's that energy like? I don't have it, I don't have it, I don't have it right now. You know, so we don't want to come from that energy. But if you are present in the moment and you're not eager, you know, to bring this into reality now, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? You're not in the space of, I don't have it, it's not here, it's not here. You are helping me out so much right now. No, no. Oh, well, I feel like you were talking to me. You were like, stop being so impatient. Oh, just that reminder. That's why I feel like we probably connect with founders so much because they're so driven, have such a great vision, right? They can see it. And then if they live in the future, we're going to sabotage now, right? So it's like a big thing that came up for me in all of this was really understanding what faith was. And I don't mean in like a religious context. I mean, just faith. Like, I don't know when it's all going to happen. I don't know how. And that's okay. Yeah. What I need to do is get back into my body and operate from that space, you know, and really and really be here. Yeah. And so I try, to, I try to operate from, I look at it like fear is kind of low level. And then you can get to faith. And then you get to freedom, right? You're like, if I keep operating from this place of faith, kind of really profound things start to happen. Yeah. And so that's like the only place I could go to was just, all right, I'm here. It's today. Cause you're right. If I think about, Oh my God, the thing I want in the future. Then all of a sudden I feel oh, like I'm not there, you know, all these things. And I'm like, no, I, I got to be here. And so it, the a main scale, and this is a big one. Um, I call it next play speed and next play speed means I feel like you're helping me with this right now. Nona, that when we lose our focus, how fast can you get it back? That's right. So if I find myself in the future, anxiously worried, doing all this stuff, next play speed says, oh, Graham, come back. What are you doing? <laughs> right. Get back into my body right here and find it. Um, and I think next play speed is maybe one of the most important skills with all of this is coming back, yeah. coming back, bouncing back. You know, and I love that. I love that. I use the analogy like, uh, you know, if you have uh, – I teach this in my community uh, where I go, okay, like the frequency of a dream or a frequency of a vision that you have. Uh, but I never understood it in like sports uh, terminology. Obviously, that's, that's your thing too. But um, I go, it doesn't really matter how many times you go off track from the dream frequency. What matters is how quickly you get back. Like you could get Ooh. back thousands of times into that frequency versus if you get off one time and then, you, you know, you take a really, really long time to get back in here, then you're, that's when you're kind of, I don't want to say you're in trouble, but that's probably not the best strategy versus if you get off and you just know your landmark of where you're going back, what frequency, what energy, what state then uh, you can get off as many times as you want, as long as you get right back on it. And that that's so powerful there. And it's like coming back means you never fail. You that's know, right. you're like, you just constantly come back. And I think next play speed, when I would watch basketball 
And I'm always just trying to think of the simplest words you can tell someone in like five seconds under immense pressure and they get it. And so next play speed, when we're coaching basketball, we tell an athlete, like, we don't care if you make or miss shots. Yes, next play speed. Now, all we, all we care about is next play speed. Like, literally, that's all that matters. Everything else is going to totally take care of itself. If you constantly come back to your line, come back to the present, um, you know, we like to say that, like, clarity is more important than confidence, you know, and everyone thinks confidence is like this end-all, be-all. And I'm like, you can feel terrible. Right. But as long as you have the clarity of the alignment, you got it. Like yeah. you, you, you don't have to feel good. You can keep battling. And when I say not feeling good, because in sports, you purposely put an obstacle in front of your way, sure. like on purpose, you put yeah. another human who's like, I'm going to stop you from doing everything you want to do today. And you're like, great. I love that. Right. Yeah. So sports and other professions in life, people don't have that. Right. You don't purposely have an, an opponent. The opponent is often yourself. Right. We get in our own way. So the cool thing about athletes is they on purpose put obstacles in their way and then they embrace them and look at them in creative ways. And when you're present, you can find solutions in that moment. So we can learn from athletes in the business world or the founding world that like, imagine if you're making a call and someone walked up and just hit the phone out of your hand. and was like, I'll never let you make a call today. That's what an athlete goes through. Right. right? They're like, oh, and you have to Imagine that was your job. Like that was like, you got excited about taking care of that or doing it or, yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> so as like a founder or a CEO or, or anyone, right. We don't necessarily have someone physically trying to stop you, but yeah. a lot of the things trying to stop you is, is generally yourself. And so if we can get out of our own way, be present, work on our next play speed, but we're like, the world's ending. You're like, no, it's not. Choose your response. Relax. Take a breath come back. This, this makes your next play speed faster, Nona. And when your next play speed is faster, you're way more present. And when you're way more present, now we're winning. Yeah. You know, the word, that's it. The word win actually stands for what's important now. And what's important now is just being present, not focusing on winning. <laughs> that's, that's the irony of the whole thing. That's so good. Well, look at us full circle. That's awesome. Thank you so much for this conversation. I'm so jazzed up and I could go on for another hour or so <laughs> talking to you about these concepts because super aligned. Um, so tell me what's what's going on now with you? What's exciting? How can we get in touch with you? Yeah. I know I follow you on Instagram. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, I find myself falling into the motivational, inspirational speaking part of my career. Like for the last 20 years, I was just kind of like this mental performance coach and I, I was doing surgery. You know, where it's like detailed work. And when I tune in with someone, I can drop right in there with them. And it, I don't even have to worry about what to say. I, it just comes to me. I know how to tune in. And so now I feel like what I've done the last couple of decades, I really want to share with people and, yeah. and really get it to the more broader masses. So I'm speaking now, doing lots of speaking. Uh, you can just find me on my website, grahambetchart.com. Easy way to stay in touch with me. I got an Instagram, uh, Graham the Guide. That's like my music name. So I stream a lot of music, Nona, mm -hmm. um, on all streaming platforms. I, I take all these concepts, I make beats, and then I just record them right here in my house and then put them out there on the streaming platforms. So you can get this, this work through music, right? Just play the song. And like, like one song is called I Love Myself Unconditionally. Do you That's have a Spotify like thing that we can put the link in here? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So Absolutely. we'll put 
your website and your Spotify link in uh, the show notes for anybody who wants to check it out. Because a simple way to do this work, imagine just playing a song and you could be going about your day, but in the background, that song is getting to you. Yeah. It's going to slowly get to your subconscious and then we're going to start to rearrange things inside and help help you get aligned. So I just try to find the simplest ways to help people and reach them. You know, my philosophy is proactive mental skills training. So this is like a little bit every day goes a long way. Oh. You know, I'm not like, let's do 12 hours today. It's like, ah, how about 10 minutes? You know what I mean? And then if you wake up tomorrow, let's do 10 minutes again, you know, yeah. and build from there. That's right. The micro habits that you know, are more aligned with being present and being aware of where you are versus push, push, push until you burn out and die. Yeah. And you know, when, when people are pushing really hard, one thing, I, one question I always ask them, because I can, you can sense, right? They just want to go. They're like, it's somewhere else. My happiness is somewhere. Once I get there, I'll finally feel good. Yeah. And I'll say, I'll say, Hey, do you want to know the day you're going to die? And they stop. They're like, no way. And I'm like, well, cool. Don't worry. That's where this is going. Like the end of this whole thing is that. So in the meantime, don't worry. Like, yeah. don't worry. Like, let's let's be present and really focus on yeah. that. Because um, most of the time, they actually don't want to know the future. People actually don't. They think they do. And then you ask them, they want to know that. They're like, I don't want to know that. I'm like, okay, that's coming. That's like that's the that's the guarantee coming towards you. Yeah. And they don't want to know when or how. So yeah, and and I I do think that's a great concept too. It's like being being. Uh, becoming face to face with your own mortality, hopefully not yeah. in real life, but it's important to know, like, this is it. You get oh. one life also die, and that's a guarantee and you can chill out basically. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to think about death every day. And I don't mean that in a way of fear, just in a way of like, if you know, you're going to die, guess what? That means right now, this Nona, this matters. What me and you are doing right here, right now is real. We assume we're going to wake up tomorrow, but the truth is nobody knows. Yeah. You don't know, hey, tomorrow I'm going to die. We just like nobody knows, right? It'll just be like, oh man, someone so is gone. So that gratitude helps you be more present. You know this, like that knowing you're going to die helps me be more alive right now. And not in like a, something to fear, uh, but just to help you be more appreciative of how rare this is and how uh, sacred this is. And it's a small window that we're here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of gratitude, I am so grateful that you gave me this time. And I know that our audience is going to love you. And um, go check out Graham on his website, his Spotify. Check him out on Instagram. And uh, thank you again for joining me, Graham. And thank you, everyone, for watching or listening into this episode of Secret Lives of Expanders. And uh, tune in for our next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some applicable nuggets to quantum leap your life and your practice. Be sure to subscribe to this channel and be the first to know when we release our next guest here on Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Nona Javid, D-J-A-V-I-D, to keep up with my not-so-secret life. And um, check out Elevate Club at www.elevate.me and Elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. We'll see you at the next episode.